Small Business Focus on The Money Show. The story that will make Pablo delighted is South Africa has lost, so far this year, 13 million workdays due to strike action. That's according to Mike Schuster, the chief economist at economists.co.za. He says it's further causing uncertainty, the economic role players becoming cautious in decision-making. In July, it had a total of 23 working days, the most since October 2013. It failed to perform positively. Uh, South Africa lost 4 million workdays in that month alone, more than any month this year, courtesy of the NUMSA strike, of course, in the first half of this year. was a write-off in the platinum sector. We can't run an economy if nobody's Going to work, Pablo? No, we can't. And, and you know, the scary thing is, I've, I've been overseas a couple of times this year. Bruce, we're becoming increasingly insignificant from a foreign investment point of view. When I tell people we're from South Africa, the sort we do, etc., etc., oh, yes, yes, there's a very kind of interest, but it's largely fading. Because the interesting thing is that, and we've had this discussion before, yeah. entrepreneurs are very similar to water. Water is going to flow to gravity. It'll always find a way under, over, or around an obstacle. And I'll give an example. When you have policy or behavior in a certain country that doesn't favor a certain kind of outcome, entrepreneurs move around it. Classic example. Europe today is largely controlled by Germany. Okay. Greece is under curatorship, controlled by Germany in many instances. However, the young Greeks who are getting educations are getting good educations still but they remain in Greece. The smart Germans who wanting to develop technical applications and technical businesses <laughs> go to Greece, get it done and dusted for a third of the price. Yeah. There are no IP laws over there that prevent the exit of that IP from Greece, lift it out of there and get it funded in America. So business finds a way around, it finds the path of least resistance and it constantly moves. We can continue to do what we do here but there are consequences all around. Nobody owes us any favors, and that's no, the point. No, you know, we, no. We're living we, in Cloud Cuckoo Land if we think we do. Yeah, we're no longer... We're no longer the home of Nelson Mandela and the Rainbow Nation. Rah, rah. That's gone. Let, let's all hug and sing Kumbaya. It's time for some hard work to be done. Yeah, and the hard work has to yield a profit, and I'm going to measure my risk against the country risk of this place as opposed to any other place. And that's how I make my decisions. Okay, let's talk about selling businesses because yes. you will always tell us we need to build an asset of value. I've um, said that once or twice before. Once or twice. Yes. Um, and that is about, and for anybody who doesn't know what building an asset of value is, you need to build a business that can exist without you. I mean, in, in well, the, terms? Yeah, let's, let's give it a bit of character. There, there are three outcomes of an asset of value. The first outcome is that when you want to do a sale or make a sale, there's a likelihood you'll get a premium price against your peers in your industry in a clean deal if you've built an asset of value. The second feature is if you've got a good growth story, an investor looks at the business and says, hang on a minute, I can invest into it. I can see the performance of my investment. And most importantly, I can harvest my investment. I can get out when I want to get out. And the third feature, which is really significant in South Africa, because we have such a concentrated economy, about 80% of our economy is controlled by roughly 350 large corporate companies. So small businesses have to work with those big companies. And as sort of values the business, that when you're in the supply chain of that big company, the business manages to service the service level agreement, not you, the individual entrepreneur yeah. and owner. But, but that, it's removed from you. If you get hit by a bus or you feel the desire to step down and retire or you decide to sell the business, it continues. It continues on a path because you've got systems in place. 
Amongst other things. Amongst you other have things. systems in place, yes. Absolutely. Okay. So, lots of discussion last week about selling businesses mm-hmm. and your argument about creating the asset of value so that it can be sold. We had a couple of people pushing back and saying, I've got no desire to sell my business. Incidentally, um, SMS line's giving a bit of bother this evening, so I'd love for you to give us a call rather than SMS tonight, if you don't mind, on three one, or not on three one seven or two three three one five six seven, because I've just told you not to do that. Oh two one four four six oh five six seven oh double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. Anything to do with selling a business? That's what we're talking about this evening. If you've got a business and you you're wavering, you don't know if you're ready to sell it yet, and you've got some niggling questions, you've got an issue that you want to raise, you want to understand how you price the blooming business. You might think it's the most wonderful thing since the bread slicer, um, but um, the buyers might have a slightly different perspective or a completely different perspective, in which case you'll have to take a lower price. How do you go through that minefield? 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. So, I, I've created a business. Well, give me a real example. Somebody's created a business and they get to a point in the life cycle of that business. I know you hate the term in the life of that business. And they decide it's time to do something else. or it's time to sell the business. It's time to retire, whatever it might be, but it's time to sell. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the different options that you're going to face in that instance. If you, if you wise, if you've been around the block once or twice, in other words, if you're working with foresight, when you begin the business, you're going to build it with passion because passion is what gets you going, Bruce. It's, it's a thing that says, you know what? I want to establish a bakery because I have a passion for, for loafing. <laughs> loafing about. Now, bakeries are blooming hard work. You don't loaf. It's early, it's, 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 it's early mornings and long days. There ain't no loafing okay. other than what you're baking. I can see what kind of an evening this is going to be. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, you're loafing about and you decide you want to start a bakery. Yeah. And you want to start a bakery because you really enjoy the act of baking. You enjoy the act of producing buns and donuts and whatever else it might be. And that's what passion is. That's important. But if you don't start equally with purpose to build an asset of value, the way that you build the businesses will be very different from each other. If you're starting with purpose, the first thing you're going to turn around and say is, how does valuation work in my kind of business? Of a day, when I choose to sell it, how does valuation work? And here's, here's the hard piece of news. It has nothing to do with the number of assets or stock that you have on board at the time that you sell. It's about how much profit this business generates. It's surely. purely, you think about it, when you buy into a share, do you really care how many assets they have? No, but we see what's so interesting here is the balance sheet is important, but mm-hmm. I want to pay 10 times last year's profit. Then I'm getting a fairly good deal. If I get the business at eight times profit, I'm, I'm last year's profit, I'm doing a better deal. Most of the JC is trading at 18 times last year's profit. Therefore, the JC is expensive. However, in the real world of buying and selling smaller businesses, you start paying a price earnings multiple. In other words, you multiply last year's profits you don't get much more than two, maybe three. Well, let's talk about that because there are proper ways to value a business and then there's the lazy way of valuing a business. I often believe that the lazy way of valuing a business is to look at a multiple of profit because you can put a number down. It's typically anywhere between two and five in a private business. Yeah. And the reason for as that… As high as five. As, as high as five. In certain okay. instances, it can be ten. So this is where it becomes important. Because who's buying the business? If the business has been bought by a private buyer, there's going to be a lower multiple. If it's been bought by a corporate entity that likes the innovation you've created, or you have gone and created a new niche 
that they don't have access to, and they're trading at a 15, 20 multiple, they can afford to pay the 7, yeah. 8, 9 multiple. I mean, look at Mark Shuttleworth. He started a little business in the garage um, and made billions because he was in the right space at the right time. He was paid a stupid amount of money for the business and coined it. Brilliant. Okay. So you've hit on another issue. Timing is crucial. Mm. When is the timing right for this? And, you know, we tried. We really did try to talk about the next level. And we kept on being interrupted. However, the next level is an important factor. In the business life cycle, which is where the next level is measured, you grow through a period of prime and then eventually maturity and decline. You need to be selling in prime. You need to be selling in prime. Because think of it from this point of view, Bruce. The best way to describe this is when you start the business, you plant the seed of the tree. And let's say it's a citrus tree. If you're super smart and you're building a business for sale because you believe in creating wealth as opposed to making money through earnings that you're going to get out of the business, you're reinvesting in the business the whole way through. Season one, the tree grows. Season two, you see the small fruit forming. You cut the fruit before they can mature so you can grow strength in the roots. Mm. That's called building the systems. Season three, you allow the fruit to start maturing. Season four, you have a prime Prime harvest. Season five, you sell just before the prime harvest. Trees are predictable. Businesses are not. How do I know my business is in its prime? I'm going to come back to that question in just a moment because I'm beginning to enjoy the right now. I worked really blooming hard to set this business up. I'm in year five and I'm coining it, but I've got a vision of how much more this thing can grow over the next five years. I'm now emotionally attached not only to the, the money I'm making, but to the value that is being created, to the growth that I am seeing in this business. And I'm just loving going into work every day because the tools are jangling. I don't want to sell. This is Christmas and Easter and every other religious and secular holiday rolled into one. Mm. Come back with that one in just a moment. First, Marion is in Kyalami. I made a joke, Marion, that you've gone out to feed the horses. Sorry, we took no. a while to get you. Thank Vodacom for that. <laughs> okay, we thank them. <laughs> there you go. Your, so, your point, um, Marion? I had a very interesting story that I wanted to tell you that illustrates the discussion point. So um, on Friday, last we had a, I worked for a big corporation and we had a mutual client who urgently, urgently needed money for a business deal that he was doing, which was closing at the close of business on Friday. So at four o'clock, we realized that it wasn't going to happen because of the delays involved in transferring dollars, the fact that the client wasn't saying thank you, was a new client. Um, so I phoned two people. The one was um, Andrew Pandehofer, who's the head of private banking. And then I also sent an email to some Shabalala, and he mm-hmm. then phoned me back. Uh, uh, and they both told me that it was impossible and it was not yeah. going to happen. Uh, how, how does this... Marion, I mean, you're having a full go... Marion, 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 sorry, just pause for a second. We're talking small business, and now you're lambasting Standard Bank, which is fine. But But where are we getting to in terms of spying and selling businesses? I'm a little lost, sorry. So the point is that Standard Bank made the impossible happen, and oh, they may. Oh, okay. So you'd be nice to them now. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not lambasting. Okay. Them. I'm <laughs> applauding them. Um, and so the impossible happened, which is great. So did uh, the deal happen, Marion? The deal happened. Excellent. So we have very happy customers and very happy banks. There we go. Marion and Kyle Army. Tom and Melrose, you want to sell your business. I think you, you're going to where I am uh, with this point is saying your business is doing brilliantly and you're loving it and it's thriving and you're doing well. Why should you sell it when it's the best it can ever be? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing. 
why would you ever want to sell your business unless you want to retire firstly? And secondly, would we ever see businesses being sold for Bitcoin in South Africa? Do you think? <laughs> okay, um, let's do both of those bits. Um, but Tom makes a point. I mean, it's like so everything is going lacquer. Everything is perfect. Why sell? Okay, there are a couple of reasons, Tom. Firstly, when everything's going lacquer, I don't think you should sell if you've still got lots of energy for the business. If everything's going lacquer and it puts you into a position where you start becoming very comfortable and a little bit of complacency starts to come in and you stress less about a whole lot of stuff and eventually you start taking your eye off the ball, just know this, that of your competitors out there, there's someone who's not in that position. Their passion is still high. They're still innovating. They're still changing the environment. They're still looking for new opportunity. And there's a gradual erosion. One of the benefits of selling a business when it is doing well is that the real way of valuation is that there are three levers that determine your price. The first lever, per se, that you can take a tug at is when when the business gets valued, I look how far into the future you can earn money with this business. So if the business is in prime, you could probably see five years into the future. If it's in maturity going into decline, you might only be able to see one or two years into the future. The longer you can see into the future with the business, the higher the valuation is going to be. The second lever... But you're the seller. I mean, it's not about how long you as the seller or the owner... You have to convince me as the seller. If I'm the buyer, I need to be absolutely compelled and convinced. Yes, absolutely. I need to see the vision. And the way I'm going to do that, Bruce, is I'm going to measure where the business is in its life cycle. I'm going to look at what you've done in the past. And I'm going to take a view of the business environment around me. And if Tom can say, you know, Pavlo, this business can earn money for five years into the future instead of three, the, the impact on valuation is dramatic as a result of that. If he gets to a point where he can only see two, three years into the future, in your prime, you need to reinvent. And there's a great case study on this. Yep. If you think about Apple, they created the Apple Mac. And as the Apple Mac started to hit maturity and decline, they then created the iPod. And as the iPod hit its prime, they recreated the iPhone. And after that, the iPad. And the value kept on climbing and climbing and climbing as a result. So when you're in your prime, I'm not saying you necessarily have to sell. It's a very good time to sell. But it's also the perfect time to reinvent the next future of that business. Yeah. But it, it, it then becomes – people then become wedded to businesses. They become emotionally connected to businesses, which is why so many people end up holding on for too long. Yeah, just too long. For just too long. Just unfortunately too but long. But how do we make that call? How do you make the call as to when is that right moment to sell? Because you don't want to sell when it's great and you don't want to sell when you're fading because now you're in – now you might hurry it a bit. You might be a bit panicky. You're no longer now focusing on growing the business. You're focusing on trying to sell the thing. This thing is in gradual decline, possibly, yeah. you know. What, is, so, there, is there a tipping point somewhere? There's always a tipping point. And most often, you know it because you see it out the corner of your eye. But you choose to ignore it because think about most entrepreneurs you know or business people you know. In many instances, the purpose of their life, the meaning of their life, so much of their life is wrapped up in that business, in that industry, in that sector. Friendships are made over years in those sectors. And if you extract yourself from that environment – you're extracting yourself into uh, really new beginnings, yep. which are sometimes quite tough to make in certain cases. Mm. So the best way I think to identify that tipping point 
is to have a, the right kind of people around you, people who can look at the business slightly more objectively and challenge your reasons as long as you're asking the right questions as to why you're still in it and what mm. your next move is going to be. How do I find that buyer? Okay, that's not so easy. It's not so easy because there's a no man's land of buying. Um, uh, let's call it there's, a, there's a, a, a desert that you can find yourself in. If you really think about it, when you build that business up to a certain value, you're within the domain of the private buyer. And what can private people afford to buy a business for? A million, two million, five million, ten million, fifteen million, starting to get a bit tight. There are fewer and fewer buyers around yeah. at sixteen, seventeen, maybe twenty million. It's too small for a corporate to buy. So you've got to traverse this value jump from fifteen, sixteen million, let's say to a point where you get into around thirty, forty million. Then you come back into the domain of a small cap listed entity that might turn around and say, okay, you are my radar. I like what you do. You are, in fact, my next step of innovation. I want to buy you. So that's another indicator of timing. If you're well, going to you find yourself fast, in that. You, you start a fast food concept and you phone Kevin Hedewick. You say, Kevin, I've got a fast food concept. Come buy it, please. Yep, quickly. So, I've only got two stores, but um, <laughs> yeah, but you're a man with vision. But, but he's the kind of guy who, and, and probably the most active and most public buyer of businesses in the last five years has been him. Easy. I mean, um, and, and, Easy. You know, and I wonder whether or not people have actually created businesses in the hope that they'll be snapped up. Well, that depends on what kind of entrepreneur yeah. you are. So, you know, you have this idea that you are, let's call it a liquidity moment entrepreneur. The liquidity moment entrepreneur builds a business for sale. And you look to offload it every five to seven years and start again and start again. Impossible question in 60 seconds. How do I maximize my price? How do I make sure that I get the best possible price? Build an asset of value. If you can demonstrate that you are not the business yeah. in your industry, Bruce, you are 3 4% of all businesses similar to you in your industry. So many large corporates go and buy businesses and then tie management in. So you, you've, you've projected profits for the next two years. Okay, you've got to work for us for those two years, and you've got to meet those profit targets. And if you do that, then we'll pay you the top price. Otherwise, we pay you the lower price. Yeah, it's called built to earn, and yeah. very, very seldom do you score. Do you ever get your price? Yeah. Very seldom. Pavlo Fatidi is from Auric Business Incubator. Fabulous discussion as always. Oh, last one. Tom also did ask: Will a business ever be sold for bitcoins? Well, would he want bitcoins for the sale I of his he, business? I think, I think he would. He sounds like a kind of guy who would. Oh, I think he might find the buy in the United States then. There we go. Uh, i tell you what. I, I like the, the crinkly sound. Of, so do I. Of cash. Ka-ching. <laughs> there we go. That's a nice sound too. <laughs> Pablo Fatidi is from Auric Business Incubator.